We are here with another podcast episode, and today I want to talk about how the past tries to leak its way into our present and how sometimes we can feel like a ghost or like we just keep getting sucked in, looped into who we were, and it feels like we can't escape. And in this episode, I'm going to give you some strategies for what to do if you find yourself facing that situation or how to pull yourself back to the person you are now, the identity you have now, and to help your brain release its habitual nature of becoming who you were so that you can be who you are. So that is where we're headed today. And I think the perfect representation of this, I am, I'm going to give you an example from a client I was coaching just yesterday that'll help this come to life. But another more personal example for me is, as I mentioned in a previous episode, my husband and I just sold, just as in about five weeks ago now, the house that we bought less than a year ago. And are now embarking on a nomadic journey across the United States. And we are taking our pirate, the corgi, with us. And we will both be working remote as we do this digital nomadic lifestyle. And it's interesting because so much of that is an identity shift. It's this idea that you're not where you live. You're not defined by the bed you wake up in. You're not defined by the grocery store that you go to to get your groceries or your stuff. A lot of our journey in this preparation point has been realizing what we truly value and what we don't value, what we truly need and what we don't need. And We've already done uh, one month of this nomadic life. We were in an Airbnb in Grand Rapids. It was kind of like the testing ground. And so we've we've made a lot of shifts about our identities, about who we used to be, what we thought we valued, and what we actually do value. And that's one thing that I love about this nomadic lifestyle is how much you get to know yourself through it. Like the Grand Rapids Airbnb had a piano and my husband's pretty musically inclined and he loved it. And I loved it too. I used to take piano. And so all of a sudden, like we're looking up easy versions of all these fun pop songs or Disney songs, and we're singing them together and we're playing the piano and we're realizing this whole aspect of who we are that we hadn't gotten to really experience because we hadn't had the tool in front of us to trigger it. And so this is the beauty of travel or going to new places. And while the nomadic lifestyle, of course, offers a great opportunity to do this, You don't have to have it to make this happen. Just help yourself by going to new restaurants, new libraries, new coffee shops, uh, new parks nearby, and notice what calls to you. Notice what you like. Notice what you enjoy. Notice how your body, the frequency of your bodily vibration shifts in that setting. Notice, Notice what you encapsulate. Notice how you show up and it will help you to see what you value, what enlivens you, what makes you feel alive. 
And now to circle this back a little more directly to some of the client examples I want to give. First off, a shout out to one of my clients who just received her yoga teacher training. This has been something she's been aspiring for for a while now, and she took the plunge. It was a lot of work. She's super buff now (laughs) just from the, the training itself, and she really showed herself who she gets to be. She really let herself say, you know what? Past me was thinking that this would be super fun, but now present me is that. I have that certification. I went through that journey and I'm on the other side of it. And the identity now that she's embodying, she feels strong. She feels connected. And the other piece too that I want to share with you all was how much she learned about the value of letting it be okay to have mistakes, to fail, to not take the yoga aspect so seriously, to laugh, to joy, to have uh, brightness in the moment. And she was sharing with me how people at the end of the training were just thanking her for being there, for her energy, for her lightness. And she had never really thought about that before. But hearing other people reflect it to her helped her to see that aspect of her that she really does value when she's able to take things lightly, when she's able to be serious about what matters but not take herself seriously in that process. There's so much enjoyment that can come from it. And so that was her shifting her identity, getting her brain out of the past into the now And this, I just wanted to shout her out for that. And for those of you listening, when you have goals like this, ask yourself, how much am I spending my time just reflecting on how cool it would be to have that without actually considering the fact that it truly is possible? It really is something I could do. Because I'm all about daydreaming. I honestly think it's valuable. I think that visualizing aspect of considering where you're wanting to go is so important, but you got to be careful about how you do it. You don't just want to be like, oh, it would be really nice if I was skilled at that or, oh, you know, I wish I was better at yoga. It's too bad I'm not better at yoga. If I was better at yoga, I could do all these things. I'd be so much healthier and lamenting about it. Notice the tone, the quality of how you approach your future focus, your daydreaming. Because daydreaming is so helpful for creating the identity you want when you do it in a proactive way. Meaning when you do it from a place of embracing the possibility that truly you can have that identity. You can be that person. And in so many ways, you already have qualities of that person now. And using your daydream, your visualization, it doesn't have to be a formal visualization. It could literally just be you're brushing your teeth in the morning or you're doing the dishes and you're just thinking about where you want to head and you're letting yourself delight in that aspect. Yeah, there might be some fear or concern or obstacles that you point out to yourself, sure, but you don't let that mean you can't do it. You don't let that deter you from trying. You let it be like, okay, 
Thanks, brain, for pointing out what could happen. I wonder how I could overcome that. I wonder how I'd approach that to ensure that I can move forward. And then you show yourself those possibilities. This is you using that daydream experience while you do the dishes or while you brush your teeth to start becoming that identity. This is you not getting caught up in the cog of the machine of just being one point in the machine, not taking any ownership, and instead directing the machine through your daydreams, through the inspirations that you get from your surroundings, through you allowing yourself to go there with yourself from a place of possibility and proactive focus. So what I find is sometimes when people do this, their brain doesn't really want to let them stay there. It wants to keep pulling them into the past. And I've had this before where I've been haunted by the ghost of who I was. I mean, even like in my dreams, and I still I still have this where, you know those situations when you're younger, maybe it was in high school, maybe it was before that, that really defined some fear within you or some aspect of who you are. And then even as an adult, you have those dreams of of those people from your past and you feel like that version of who you used to be. And then you wake up and you have that tinge of who you were, like the memory of who you were is so present in your current reality because you just went there in your dream. Well, I like to tr- think of those dreams as healing, as that as that chance to heal. I, I used to see it as, oh no, there's something unresolved from my past, which I, which I guess is another way to interpret it. But when I interpret those dreams as something unresolved from the past, I get really anxious and I get really whiny with myself. And I start to think about how I'm not any better than I used to be or how I haven't grown up yet or how I have these people from the past that I should be reaching out to that I actually kind of don't want to reach out to, but maybe I should because I keep dreaming about them or that situation or whatever it might be. And I get myself in this turmoil place because I make the dream mean something's unresolved and I have to fix it, which literally keeps me in the past. But what I do now is when I have those dreams that pull me to the past, the memory of who I was, instead of thinking that that means something's unresolved, instead I focus on, look at me heal. Look at me grow. Look at my brain giving me this opportunity to relive that moment so that I can heal, so that I can recover, so that I can emotionally help myself through it. And when I wake up, I meet myself where I'm at and I love myself deeply, whatever the dream, reminding myself of who I am now and how I know how to soothe myself, how I know how to help myself, how I know how to stand with myself for myself, for who I am now, for who I was then and love myself passionately for it not make myself wrong for what I dreamt about, not make myself weak for what I dreamt about, but instead hold myself for the truth of the beauty of who I am. Acknowledging my brain went to the past, 
but it went there because it knew I could handle it. It went there because it felt like there was an opening for healing. And when we approach ourselves like this, and I'm using the dream mode as an example here, it helps us to let go of the past. It helps us to be gracious with ourselves for our unconscious that subconscious also part of us that we truly cannot control. But it helps us each dream, each opportunity, a moment to heal, to have grace, to have compassion. And through that, it loosens, it lets go, and it releases the attachment to that past. And so that's one way to do this with our dreams. I want to now talk about How do we do this in the present waking state to help this come to life? The client I was coaching yesterday, we were talking about her career and where she's headed next. And she just uh, completed her occupation with a specific company. And she still is getting um, some some pay that those are that's still going through right now with that company. So she has a a paycheck as well. And what she's realizing is how much her brain has attached her identity to the work she used to do and the company she used to work at. And she's found it has been difficult for her to think about where she wants to head next. And so in our coaching session, I was asking her some questions to help her identify What's next in her chapter? And what I noticed is as I was asking her these questions, her brain kept popping her back to her past. I would ask her a question about whether she's considering going to a contract freelance her own business type of work or to become an employer at another company. I was asking her questions along those lines. And instead of answering those questions, her brain would say, yeah, well, when I worked at, and then it would mention the past company, and then it would start talking about the leadership team, and then it would start talking about some of the difficulties and hardships and traumatic, toxic experiences because of the work environment that she had been in. Her brain kept pulling her to the past. It wasn't allowing her to go to the present or the future to consider where she wanted to head. It kept popping her to the past. And I pointed this out to her to help herself to see because when we don't know that's happening, what happens is we get lost in the past and we truly become our memory. We become this recorded, this record of who we used to be by continually focusing on that past environment, that past place. And the more we talk about it and the more we live in it, the more we grow it and we solidify that memory. And it's like we're living from that memory. I just thought of, for for Harry Potter fans, you know Tom Riddle from Harry Potter and the diary. And that diary, when it was written in by Harry Potter, would be fueled and Tom Riddle's memory would come to life. And he'd be living in this memory, this version of who he was, became the reality in that moment. But that version of Tom Riddle, I won't give anything away for those who haven't read the book yet, that version of Tom Riddle 
couldn't really evolve beyond the memories of who Tom Riddle was when he wrote that diary because Tom Riddle was trapped and being preserved only through the memory of the diary of who Tom Riddle was at that point in life. Well, we do this to ourselves all the time when we trap ourselves in our own diary of the past. And that's what my client was doing. She wasn't allowing herself, and this wasn't a conscious choice. She didn't realize she was doing this until the coaching session where I pointed it out to her. She'd been trapping herself in her past by continually directing the conversation to her past. And so now through this new level of awareness she has, it's waking her up. It's helping her to see, oh, here I am again in my past. And it's giving her then that opportunity to pivot. Instead of the past being a trigger to re-traumatize herself, she can use the notification of her being in the past to heal, to grow. Because our brain isn't doing this to be toxic to ourselves. That's often the result. We, we end up poisoning ourselves with our past stories, with our past limitations, with our past fears, with our past traumas, because our brain doesn't know how to get out of it. It was a, a victim in those moments, and it hasn't figured out how to heal. And so our brain doesn't offer us these things to tear ourselves down. It does it because it doesn't know any better. And it also does it because it's trying to move on and it doesn't know how. And so this is where coaching and or therapy, depending on the specific situation, can be so incredibly helpful. And we can also use techniques to coach ourselves. And those are some of the techniques I want to talk about in today's episode. And so our brain does this. It pulls us to the past. Why? Because our brain wants to be certain. Because our brain, that egoic part of us, we're going to use that term now, the ego, that mind-emotional combination where the mind, the thoughts, and the emotions spiral off one another to define our memories and to define our story of who we are in that moment, that egoic self, when we are embarking on a new adventure, an open field, of unknownness, it has nothing to grasp onto. And so it wants to create holding grounds or benchmarks or places to have some footing because it's like if you've been rock climbing before, you know (laughs) if it's indoor rock climbing, what do you do to climb and scale the wall? Well, you use the holds, the grips, the place that you put your hand. You use those little things that have been screwed into the wall to scale the wall. That's how you climb it. You don't just scale the wall without any grippings. You use what was already put there to help yourself move up the wall. And this is how our egoic mind operates as well. It doesn't want to scale a wall with no handhelds or footholds. It wants to have something to use to make it easier to make the climb. The dilemma is when you're creating that new identity of who you are, for instance, when you change your workplace or your work dynamic, perhaps you 
are going the self-employed route, or perhaps you're changing industries, or perhaps you're changing companies. You don't have any handholds when you're fully going into the dark of the unknown of not knowing who you are. There's no handheld holds. And the same is true from a travel perspective. When you go somewhere completely new, it can feel like to your egoic mind that there's no hand or footholds. And your mind does not want to scale a wall that has no foot or handholds to make it easier. So what does it do? It brings the handholds from the past to the new version in order to try to make it easy to climb the wall. And that's nice and helpful when we like those aspects of our past self and we want to bring those aspects of our past self into the now, but it's not helpful when those footholds and those handholds, those aspects of the past are the traumas, are the hardships. And and so what happens is we start to lean heavily on those handholds, on those memories, to the point where we forget that we're using them to scale the wall. And instead, we get really hyper-focused on that specific handhold or foothold, and we start to think that that's the story, that that's the journey, that that handhold is us rock climbing, they're scaling the wall. When the truth is that's just one point that we can use to help us move forward, but the point is to climb beyond that handhold or foothold. And yet, when that handhold or foothold has been such a key aspect of our journey, we sometimes get caught up and we don't want to move past it. Or we think we want to move past it, but our brain doesn't allow us because it's so used to holding on to it. It doesn't know how to let go. It doesn't know how to release it. And this is what it looks like. And this is a really (laughs) strange example, I guess, or, or visualization of what it can feel like when you are embarking on a new career or a new religion or a new relationship or or just a new version of yourself. It can feel like you have all these handholds and footholds that you keep staring down that you're trying to move past, but for some reason, your foot keeps going to that same place. And then you're focused there again. And you're telling the stories of how that foothold came to be to yourself. And you're so focused on the foothold, you forget where you're going. So what do we do? Well, to bring it back to my client example, I was helping her to see the way that her brain was going. And the first thing is really to acknowledge your brain is not trying to torment you. It feels like that. But the ego is not the enemy here. The ego is just afraid. Truly, the whole basis of the ego is trying to survive in a world where because you've been born, it means you're going to die from this human perspective. The ego cannot outrun its fate. And yet, valiantly, courageously, it tries. But it's a ticking dime bomb, my friends. We're all going to go. How do we know? Because we were born. And when I say we're going to go, I mean from this human physical sense. I don't mean from a spiritual aspect. But our ego has no chance. It has no way to overcome the truth of who it is. It's going to die. But it tries to forget that because remembering that is too painful. And I have some other podcast episodes that go into this more deeply and even talk about the 
ego from an evolutionary standpoint and how in a one way, yes, it does die and dissolve, but in another, it doesn't because the energy just transforms into something new. But but that's an aside for another episode. I'll link in the show notes to uh, those episodes I'm referring to for those who want to specifically dive into this understanding of the ego more because I think it will help you become an ally with your ego and to use your ego as your advocate for your soul and your self-expression. So that will be linked in the show notes so you can access those episodes. To take us back to where we are now, this understanding can help us not retaliate against our own minds when it takes us to the past. And what we want to do is we want to meet ourselves in our bodies. Instead of the mind, the egoic mind, taking us to the past for us to recount it and relive it and redescribe it to ourselves and try to analyze it and try to solve it from a mental energy, we want to get into our bodies. We want to take a breath and we want to focus on the energetic essence of ourselves. And this doesn't have to be abstract. This is actually very concrete and very real. When you notice your brain has gone to that past and and it's getting sucked in, take a breath and do it through your mouth. Take a big inhale up like a hold it at the top and then second a little more and a little more. Hold it for a minute. Not a whole minute, but for a couple seconds. And then release it again out the mouth. And do that a couple more times. Do it slowly. Do it fast. Do it as bursts. Do it as a a gradual release. Try all of these different ways. Just focusing on your body and doing the release through the breath. Because every breath you take and then you release is a representation and an actual true release of that past self. That expelling of the breath is a symbolic and actual expelling of who you are, of who you are letting go of, of that past. And truly, we are not our past. We are beyond our past. Our past is like the surface. It's like if you paint your nails, it's your nail doesn't become the pink that you put on your nail. No, that's just the color your nail wears. We always know beneath the pink nail polish is the nail below. And the same is true for us. We are not our past. We are not our memories. We are not the traumas. We are not the thoughts. We are not the emotions of who we were or who we are. Those are just the colors we paint in order to live vibrantly and to have new realizations and new expressions and understandings. There are gifts and opportunities for us to understand more deeply for that spirit, that soul within to become the new expression of itself through the learnings. It's like when you read a book, you aren't the book, 
but you often live in the eyes of the characters as a means for you then to gain your own understandings. That's what this life is, and that's what those memories are and those experiences are for us. But our egoic self doesn't always know that, and it starts to attach to those memories and live from those memories and become that past as if it is the past. It forgets the spirit. It becomes disconnected from the soul. And so we want to reconnect it to the soul because the soul is ever-knowing ever growing, always evolving in this present moment that's full of possibility. And it isn't really even the present because as soon as you're aware of the present, it actually becomes the past. And in a way, you never really catch up with yourself from a conscious egoic mental body. But when we get in our body and use our breath and stay present in that moment, We begin to meet ourselves in our spirit where it's at. And what we're really doing by releasing through those exhales is we're reconnecting to us, to our soul, to who we are. That's the power of embodied breath. That's the brilliance of the exhale process. And I like to have my clients do this through their mouth instead of their nose when it's these larger memories of themselves that they're trying to release because there's so much power in the muscle of of the mouth and that aspect of using your throat that the nose just doesn't have as much uh, fuel and force behind it that the, that the mouth can really access in that way. And so we use our breath in that way. We take that breath, we inhale all the way into the sacral, all the way into that gut aspect, and then up into the chest aspect. We inhale up, 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 and then we hold at the top, and then we inhale even more, and then we hold it, and then we release (sighs) fast and then slow and through different combinations, however you're called in the moment. This gets us back in the current moment. But when our ego then is in its current moment, it feels really uncomfortable because what you've done by taking that breath work is you've refocused away from the footholds or the handholds of the past and you've shown it the smooth wall to scale. And it doesn't like that. It wants something to hold on to. But here's the trick of it then. Here's how we can help our egoic mind by by meeting our egoic mind in the way that it likes to be met. And the egoic mind likes certainty, which is why it often leans to the past because it at least has a way to explain something, even if it's not who we're wanting to be or who we are now. And so instead of having our egoic mind then take us back to the past and us pull it to the present over and over, we want to give it new handholds and footholds that are future focused. That way it doesn't need to go to the past because you've given it certainty in the future. And yes, we never know where we're headed truly until we're there. There is no true certainty. But by explaining to ourselves who we are, by creating and shaping our identity with intentional proactive focus, our ego 
gets an idea, an essence of certainty so that it doesn't need to go to who it was and it instead can go to who we are becoming. When you think about having a new habit, the best way to extinguish an old habit is to replace it with a new one. And that's what we're talking about here, but from a memory and thought aspect. So back to my client example. This client, I pointed out to her how she had been having her mind pull itself to its past because it had nothing to hold on to in the now. So we took some breaths, we got her in her body, and then we talked about creating new footholds and handholds. What does this look like? Well, we helped her to find where she was headed. And every time her mind would take her to the past, she would either point out to herself or I would help her to see, hey, look, it's gone to the past again. Remind it who you are now. And we began to intentionally shape her new identity. And for her in this case, this was a lot of it was career focused. And so we were telling her mind, we are not the employee of that company anymore. Who are we? Well, we're self-employed. We're a business owner. We're a consultant. We're taking on new clients. We have the opportunity to go out and to network and to market and to get some more clients beyond the ones that she already had. Because she then, through this process, started to see how she'd already been setting herself up for this version of herself, how she already had connections who were wanting to work with her, who she could now reach out to from this new identity of the business woman, the founder that she now is, but before hadn't been really realizing that she'd set up because her brain kept pulling her to the past, but because we were intentionally focusing her on the now as well as the future, But speaking of it from who she is now, as who she is now, she started to connect the dots, which meant she started to create new handholds and footholds based on who she was now, on who she wanted to be now, from a place of proactive intention. And so what this meant was she began creating new footholds and handholds to scale up the mountain. Instead of always going back down this wall, down to the past version where the footholds she knew were, she was looking up the wall, creating new and planting new footholds in there through telling herself who she is now, through crafting her new identity now. And it gives her brain something to cling to. It just wants certainty. The egoic self just wants to know. And yes, it never is going to know, but still we can play pretend with it. The past is pretend too, because it's not here now until we tell ourselves that it is and that we begin to live from it. But it's not, it's not here. It's just a ghost. It's all a ghost. It's all a mirage. The emotions attached to those memories, a mirage. Yes, they viscerally feel real because we've put ourselves in that focal point. We've collapsed the wave, so to speak, on that moment, and then it feels real. So instead of collapsing on those moments of the past that we maybe don't want to relive, 
Let's use the opportunities for when our brain brings them up to tell ourselves we can heal, to meet ourselves where we're at, to soothe ourselves through compassion, through understanding, through non-judgment, through not making the brain wrong for bringing it up, but instead using it as a chance to release it. Every time our brain brings it up, it's a chance to let go just a little bit deeper, to dissolve it just a little bit more through our breath, through our conscious understanding of who we are now. And then from that point, to remind ourselves of the new footholds and handholds that we've crafted, that we've created, of where we're going, of where we're headed, of what we actually are embodying now. And then taking an inhale in, reminding yourself of that new identity, a little more visualizing and feeling the truth of who you are now. And as you exhale out, You're releasing it to the world as a true representation, as a freeing nature of this is me now. And so my client is now taking this forward. And another aspect that she's doing is she'll be going to networking events, exclaiming to others who she now is, what she now does, her new work as a a consultant for her own company. And she's also creating business cards, not for the sake of having business cards, though that will be helpful as as an aside, but truly to show her brain with something really concrete who she is. For those of you listening to this, maybe it is a career change that you're going through. Use these steps to help. Maybe it's a relationship change. These same steps will help. This process is a way to pull ourselves from the past to meet us in the now. So to recap these steps. One, build awareness by noticing the cues of when you're in the past. This will be based on how you feel and what you're saying, what you're telling yourself, and what you're thinking. This is where coaching can be really powerful because sometimes we're so caught up in our stories, we trap ourselves in them, and we become a living, breathing representation of the memory instead of the truth of the nature of who we are. So build that awareness. Coaching can help. Next, use embodiment to get yourself back to the present. That's the breathwork exercise I shared with you. Then help yourself see it as healing, which is kind of a part of the the step I just mentioned. After that, intentionally remind yourself of who you are now. Create that new identity. This is you making new footholds to help your egoic side Get on board. And then lather, rinse, repeat, friends, and just keep on going. And the last thing I like to do is I like to use the breath piece again with the inhale representing you inhaling the new identity you've created, which solidifies it in yourself. And then the exhale from that part is you freeing it to the world as a representation, as a vocalization to the world of your truth of who you are now being. 
And for those who would love help with this, who are looking for support and who are wanting someone to guide them and be there as their soul's advocate along with them in the process, join me in one-on-one coaching. You can sign up for a free consult where we will talk about what this will look like specific to you and your goals, career, and beyond. And to do that, go to believeseed.com slash schedule. That's where you'll be able to schedule your free consultation with me. It's a 30-minute call. Uh, as of this moment, those are that's the length of those calls, and it's that chance for us to roadmap together, for us to identify what's going on in you, and to create the map for how we can work together in a coaching capacity to help you become who you are, who you've always been, who your soul knows you to be. But sometimes that egoic side takes over or gets confused or gets lost. Coaching can help. It can be that step. It can be a catalyst for you to embody you, the true you, the whole you, the spirit within that we are beyond the egos that we have. Believeseed.com slash schedule to go ahead and get that consult scheduled. That's the first step. Thank you all. Bye.